Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense of knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So I'm super excited today to bring you another podcast guest that I found through another podcast guest, Mr. Warwick Schiller. And this lady, when I heard about what she does, I was like, oh my gosh, she talks to the animals. She does more than that. I'm so excited. So thank you so much, Terry Keebler, for joining me today. I think we're going to have a lot of fun because I've been talking to animals since I was a little kid. So we'll have lots to talk about today. We're like-minded, huh? Yeah, for sure. Can't wait to get into this podcast. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, please? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be included in in, uh, your seers, beers, knowers, and doers. What a a title. I'm I'm (laughs) proud to (laughs) be able to fit into that. So I don't know how far back you want me to go, but I can just say I've been a lifelong horse person. I got my first horse when I was six years old and so always had a love of horses. And as I went through school and trying to figure out what career I wanted to do, I wanted it obviously to be involve animals and living in the Sacramento area, everyone said, well, then you, you've got to be a vet, you know, that if you want to work with animals, that's the only thing really to do with them. And I just, it, that just didn't fit for me. You know, it's like, well, I really want to have a relationship with animals. I really want to work with healthy animals. Yeah. And so it kept coming back to the horses. And I ended up taking a summer job at the racetrack and becoming a groom for the harness horses. And that was where I met my husband and moved down to L.A., which I thought would be a horrible thing (laughs) because I'm a nature girl and I thought, oh, I'm just, what am I going to do in L.A.? I just, I don't know. You know, I I need to be in the woods and the mountains. So I found a, a wildlife rescue facility and started volunteering there and, you know, bottle raising the babies that were brought in, that kind of thing. And the Hollywood industry would come in once in a while, different companies and say, oh, we need a baby raccoon or a baby possum for a commercial. And I just went, oh, tell me more. What is it that you guys do? And 
realized that there was an entire industry down there uh, working with animals for the film and movie industry. So I started volunteering doing that, and it worked into a 30-plus-year career. Amazing. And this career has taken you all over. I stayed most of the time in L.A., but did a movies in different areas of Canada and Mexico, but stayed closer to home. Like, I was amazed that you got two hours away from me. <laughs> I'm like, really? Come to Nova Scotia? <laughs> So, yeah, and, and the wonderful thing about working with the movies is it was always, you know, beautiful locations, just really, you know, gorgeous backdrops and gorgeous scenery. And, and then I would be out there. I remember one time sitting out on a mountain cliff and I had a leopard laying in my lap and just, just going, oh, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. I just, they don't know that I would pay them to let me do this. So having that kind of a blessed life of, I just can't believe that I fell into this. And, okay, so we've, we've got to go a little bit further here because you go from a wildlife rescue to a leopard in your lap. That's, there's, mm, there's a, uh-huh. there's, like, you know, some steps in between, are there? <laughs> oh, maybe a couple. Of <laughs> well, I, the, uh, the company that I ended up working for was a full zoo compound. So, okay. so they had everything. Okay. Yeah. So, so then I gravitated to the large cats, the lions and tigers and leopards that tigers were my all-time favorite and everything in between they had everything from reptiles to monkeys and um, we did dogs and cats it did not include horses amazingly because that that's a different union okay in the film industry that host stock is completely different from the exotics and the dogs and cats okay so, I did everything but horses. Ah, interesting. But have you had horses throughout your life, or did you have to, when you moved to L.A., did you have to give them up? No, I always had horses, and that's everything that I would learn from the other animals. You know, I, I learned so much about energy work, working with the big cats, because you're lower than them on the food chain. Yes. (laughs) Yes my body started to be able to register when they would shift their attention or when their intention would shift, you know, my body would react. And I thought, oh, this is what horses feel like, you know. And and so I, yeah, got to take that kind of education and go back and apply it to horses because I always was working with horses. Yeah, the whole prey-predator thing. Hmm. Absolutely. Right, right. The ability of the body to know and react without the mind being involved. Mm-hmm. A survival instinct. Yeah. 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 So you you went from being a groom to working at this zoo that was actually a Hollywood repository of animal actors. Right. It was a, it was a company. Yeah. And there were there were hundreds of companies down there. I didn't even know that the industry existed. 
you know, you watch movies, of course you see animals on it, but I didn't realize that there were entire companies for training the animals. And it was a, a really specialized field because the animals had to be acclimated to so much, to the cameras and the crews and the lighting and all the, you know, special effects. And so it, it was a phenomenal education for being able to gain trust for the animals, you know, have that really strong relationship of trust. And I think the value for me was having to work from at least 30 feet away, you know, so you didn't have hands on and you couldn't talk. Right. was huge in, in training me how to communicate better with animals because I, I think the, the other industry that probably has that is the dolphins and whales because yes. the trainers know that they can't force it. They can't force anything. It has to be fun and it has to have communication involved or the animal goes, forget it, I'm leaving. And that's the, the end of it. You know, if you were on set and an animal just shut down or just walked off, it's like, oh, oh, sorry, that's, I guess he's done. Yeah. So they would have doubles for the animals. They would have multiple animals just in case an animal got overstressed or, you know, just quit working okay because sometimes they did right very much working with a two-year-old or something it was i have done the work and prepared as best as i can but whatever is going to happen is really up to them <laughs> okay i'm going to ask unknowing questions here um, I don't think there's any such thing. Yeah, I'm going to ask basic questions <laughs> so that people get a better understanding of how it operates 30 feet away with an animal. Your situation is you aren't able to speak, so you're using body language, you're using telepathy, you're using clicker, you're using food walk me through kind of the repertoire of of tools to work with these animals that you're using to to make stuff happen and look like it's supposed to on a camera right i would say all of the above we used eye contact body language cues so hand cues food Definitely because the animals had to repeat a behavior over and over and over again. And so it was, even though the animal had to be a certain personality to enjoy that kind of work, there was a point where they're like, this isn't fun anymore. Mm. <laughs> and so there had to be some rewards involved. And I found that random rewards was much more valuable than you know a, a reward every time okay so a random reward was would would keep them interested and i suppose kind of like a person at a slot machine if it, if it paid out all the time it wouldn't be as fun as if it was random um true but as it evolved and as the relationship evolved that was where the training i got to be trained of of how to be able to read body their body language, not them. Because it started out with the mentality of, okay, I'm the trainer and you have to read me. I'm training you, you got to read me. And of course evolves into, I have to be able to read you 
as well as I expect you to be able to read me. So I could make eye contact with a dog that would be like, how long do I have to sit here? Yeah. Uh, you're, you know, you're fine. You're fine. Just, just be patient and I'll let you know when you can leave, you know, when you, when you're done. Uh. So there was that kind of communication from a distance or if a, if an animal would get upset with something that was happening on the set, mm-hmm. they could look over and go, is everything okay? Mm. And my presence was able to say, yeah, I'm, I'm checking with me. I'm relaxed. I'm fine. You're okay. So that is something that is just now coming to the horse world. Right. That idea of setting presence for the horse to check in with and resonate to. Yeah. That was required in the film work. Like that epiphany happened 30 years ago? That epiphany happened 10 years ago? When did when did that reality um, hit the film world? That was probably early and, and you know, evolving all the time. Okay. Because there were a lot of trainers in that industry that did not have that capacity. So it was very much like the horse world of okay. different levels of trainers and different levels of relationship and that kind of thing. Okay. But that was what I was learning as I went along. And was that natural in you to explore or did you have mentors saying no no this is a cool way to do it do it this way no i think i think the mentors were the animals themselves Uh i I don't i don't think the other well there were there were some very good trainers that i worked with and and some not so good so you learned both this is i don't want to do it that way right and this person has something going on with that animal but Mm -hmm. i want to figure out what that is Mm -hmm. i love how the animals were the mentors when there's that level of mutual respect that that can exist which is to me beautiful and i wish everybody had that awareness (laughs) that we can learn from nature animals we can learn from everything and there there was a yeah there was a, uh, a definite point uh, that I remember, I mean, a shift in my thinking as far as because early on, like I said, I started out with that mentality of I'm the trainer and I know everything, you know, and, and I'm just here to help you feel safe. But I remember one day, and I don't know if I shared this on the podcast with Warwick or not, but I'll, I'll share it again. Of, of, I was flying an eagle one day, and I had the mental mindset of I'm going out here to teach this eagle to fly. You hmm. know, and I just, you know, th- that was my mentality. And I thought, oh gosh, how egotistical is that? I don't know how to fly. <laughs> and I, so I said, well, what is it I really want? Is I want to have some communication and teach this eagle a cue for when, so that he knows when I want him to fly to me. And so we were practicing another trainer and I across a huge field of, of long, tall grass. And the eagle was flying back and forth with us getting a reward of a, a little tiny chicken heart. Uh, and one point he was flying across the field and 
dove off way off and we thought uh-oh you know he's taken off and he swooped down and picked up a chicken heart that one of us must have dropped in walking across the field <laughs> but it here it was in three feet of grass and and way off his flight path and he swooped down and he picked it up and he flew back to my arm with it and looked at me with this eye-to-eye contact of of see i don't need you <laughs> so it was like oh, oh my goodness and at that moment just whatever exchange took place eye to eye then it was like i am so sorry and i am so honored to be in your presence that at that moment i shifted my thinking of let me just spend time with you and see the world from your viewpoint because mm-hmm. it's obviously so much broader than mine that's when i really started becoming a a uh, trainer <laughs> mm-hmm. becoming trained i guess i should say because i would go and just spend quiet time sitting with the animals and and trying to you know when they would park up or or look at something try to see what is it that you see because i don't see anything mm-hmm. and sitting there with an eagle he could be looking at something it would take me 10 minutes to be able to focus in on on a hawk that was miles up or something oh that's what you're watching so wow it was very cool to change my perspective yeah of, of what an honor it is to be able to work with you yeah totally and yeah. um it's not lost on me that an eagle was your teacher in that case it's like yeah. <laughs> It's like, if you're going to learn from something, learn from an eagle. Wow. Learn from an eagle. And then I, I did, mm. uh, I studied with shamans for four years. So um, that ended up, that was my power animal. I was like, oh, oh really? Oh, yeah. No wonder. Ah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. There's a story there. Yes, yeah. exactly. So yeah. what got you studying with shamans? To be open to the awareness that the ego was teaching you, I would say that there you have your own element of, and I mean, I don't know the definition as succinctly as what a shaman is, but I would say that everyone has some shamanness in them without putting a shaman yeah, down yeah. at all. But I would say in that moment, the ego was waking you up to your shamanism. Yeah, I think that's well said. I mean, I do believe, and that was part of the value for me was um, because I know that there are ancestral Mm -hmm. shamans that have had it in their genes for many, many lifetimes, and Mm -hmm. and they're much more talented and powerful and connected than I would ever hope to be, but that everyone does have intuition and everyone is able to tap into the collective Mm -hmm. and that was the teaching for me was being able to ask questions and and then journey and and get answers from elsewhere Mm -hmm. so and and it was the animals that led me there because i was just so fascinated with the whole idea of intuition and energy and you know i just i I needed to know more. How does this work? How does this work? And it was always the animals that, you know, I, I, I want to know. I want to be better at this. I want to know how this works. So I was a little driven. I guess. <laughs> it took me long enough. But 
but I think everyone does have natural abilities and it's just us either accepting or believing that we do or, or not that shuts it down. I think so too. And I think everybody will have a proverbial eagle land on their arm and stare them in the eye. It may come in a variety of different ways, but yeah. I think everybody will have those moments that are trying to encourage the more from each person. So I, I right. just love yeah. what you shared there. It, like there are animal communicators that, you know, get conversations and get, eat the, you know, what did you have for breakfast this morning and tell me about your person and all of I, I don't get those kind of conversations. But I will get, at times, I like when that eagle looked me in the eye, I definitely got a message that wasn't coming from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whether it was coming from mm, the collective or, or my intuition or directly from him, doesn't matter to me. It was just in that moment, a knowing of what he was communicating to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I need you like a hole in the head. <laughs> he was communicating. Yeah. I, yeah. You are not teaching me how to fly. Yeah. I already know how to fly. I know how to hunt. I know how to care for myself. <laughs> and I'm just caught in your world. So, you know, it just, it shifted to, yes, you, you are caught in my world. And so let me be the person that makes you feel safe and, and helps make this world comfortable for you and then you teach me your world mm-hmm. you teach me from your perspective and I, I will just be that person that that you know because when we would go on set with them it, it shifted then where he knew that I had the respect for him as a sentient being and so it shifted to him completely trusting me when when he would get scared on set Prior to that, he would try to fly off. You know, he would have the dresses on, but he would try to fly off. And then after that, he would just snuggle up to my body like, I know you got my back. Aww. So so that shift was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then he'd tell all his friends. <laughs> then it's like, she's she's got it. You're okay. I think, what's the expression? They know when you know. Yeah. Like, she knows something. She's, or, she's, or got she's it. at least dropped her ego a little bit. Yeah. So all of the relationship building that goes on in your work, and then you retire. Like, I'd be wanting to go back and visit every third day. How's this one doing? How's that one doing? Like, what's that transition like? But I'm not Yeah, it, w- it was really hard. It's probably what kept me there so long at the same company because there were animals that I had bottle raised and that I, you know, had real relationships with. And But there was just a time that I knew it was time to to move on from that. And it, it was just, it, in, in my head, it was just real clear. Now it's time to go. You've learned what you were supposed to learn. Now it's time to go. And there came a point, I don't want to disparage anybody or anything, but there came a point where other trainers I was working with, it was getting dangerous because of their lack of awareness. Right. I thought, you know, it's time to leave because they're going to get me killed. You know, it's just a matter of time. Um, Okay. Because I had one, one episode where I was laying out in the sun with a lion. I mean, I was just, he, we were both 
laying, enjoying the sun, and he was grooming me like a dog would, you know, like mm-hmm. like chewing fleas. He was just kind of grooming my leg and very happy. And the trainer, the other trainer came up from behind us and smacked him across the nose. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, and, and the lion thought that I did it. And he jumped up and he was furious, you know, like what a betrayal yeah. of trust because, and, and so it, it ruined the relationship with that lion. But so later I, I said, what, what were you doing? What? And, and the trainer says, I'm the head trainer. Don't you ever let that lion put his mouth on you ever. And I thought, ew, <laughs> he was being social. Mm. <laughs> Can't you tell the difference? Yeah. You know, and mm. Episodes like that, it was like, okay, it's it's time to go. Wow. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You've kind of talked about it a little bit, a little more uh, in case we've missed any here. How does intuition come to you, Terry? How does intuition come to me? Yeah. I think it, I'd have to say... I, I did learn to, to journey. I can ask a question and then kind of channel write the answer so mm-hmm. I can get answers that way. But in, um, when I'm working with an animal, um, or, or when I get what I'll call a hit is I will get imagery of, Say if uh, my cat is staring at me and I'll go, what is it that you want? I will suddenly get a picture of an empty water bowl or, or, um, so I will get some pictures in my head. Okay. Sometimes it's very symbolic of, um, if I have a question that I've put out there, it can come through a song on the radio or a uh, TV commercial or anything where suddenly I will feel like a tap on my shoulder. This, this, listen up. This is for you. This is important. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just tune in to that and it will answer whatever question I was asking. So it can come from anywhere around me, anywhere in the environment but I will get a feeling of, listen up, this is important. Cool. So I call it my guides. My spirit guides will, you know, like give me a little tap on the, like, hey, hey, this is for you. Yes, <laughs> yes. what you were asking about. Yeah. Yeah. We're serving it up on a platter. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Listen up, listen up. I used to pray for, okay, I'm, I'm really kind of slow, so make the signs really, really big so that I can't miss them and stuff. And now I realize uh, I, I don't want to be whacked over the head anymore. <laughs> like, okay, make me get it when it's really, really subtle. <laughs> yeah, soft and subtle. I don't want it to be huge anymore. Yeah, I don't, let, let, me, let me start to get it when it's just really a quiet whisper. Cool. So... We've talked about the industry, but life outside the industry, what did the awareness with the animals create for you? What really, what keyed me into the intuition and everything, even prior to the animals, was in my early 20s, or or late 20s, sorry, I, um, I started having aneurysms with the birth of my first child my first child, my only child, 
So I had a near-death experience, and that was what really drove me as far as I need to know. I need to know how to be more intuitive. I need to know how to be more connected to the spiritual realms, and I want to understand, you know, the, the energy work of how do, how do healers have a positive effect on someone without even being in the room with them? I just, mm. so I, I came back with the, this huge, okay, I know it's real. <laughs> mm. I've experienced it and now I need to know what I'm supposed to do with it. So I tell the story of uh, walking along one day and begging for a teacher, like, please. And I was just completely caught up in my, head you know the voices in my head and and then realizing that I was walking with with a lion next to me and I went that was the okay okay the signs have written really big and I've been missing them (laughs) I I had here's my teacher duh so um you know like let see I I want to get better at being more intuitive and being more in touch and so it really start me started me down the road as a seeker i guess you would call it mm. everything energy wise was fascinating to me mm. you know and and now we have youtube which is so phenomenal yes. <laughs> you can you can put anything into youtube and come up with all kinds of trainings and talks and it's just phenomenal the information that you can get to but nice. i was just looking for it anywhere I could find it and of course the animals were always right there yeah so did it spill over into parenthood oh sure (laughs) I don't know what else to say about that (laughs) sure because I'm making an assumption I know I'm not a parent but I know that there's a mother's intuition and it is you know heard to trump but when you can be connected to a lion or an eagle and create safety or or create a particular behavior through awareness and energy and telepathy your kid doesn't stand a chance (laughs) or he stands on the biggest (laughs) mountain going one or the other like he he stands in this place of utter safety but you also can't get away with anything i would assume being terry's kid well you know it was uh, learning the dynamics of you know, what we call training actually is what motivation, you know, so everything that I'd learned from the animals of, of focusing on what you want instead of what you don't want. And, you know, it, it became parenting 101. Focus on what you want repeated and gush over it, you know, and catch them doing the right thing and all of that. I hate to keep calling it training, but, but, you know, that's, that's the word that we use. The, the leadership and, and the motivation skills and the coaching was all taught to me by the animals. And I just applied it to people. And at, at one point in talking with people of, you know, I was always trying to convince them, well, there are no bad dogs. There are just behaviors that you don't like. And so let's let the dog know what you do like. And and I thought, gosh, I wish that I could handle people and view people as well as I do animals. 
Mm-hmm. And so I went into a coaching program to help with that. And that really started the journey of the self-observation, of changing yourself to change what was going on around you. You know, so that was a big piece, too. And, and all that, you know, thank goodness went into parenting because my daughter and I have a fantastic relationship. So I, th- I think I did good. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, when are you writing the parenting book? When are you writing the business book? When are you writing? Because <laughs> really, yeah. you know, it's not new, but to be putting it through the lens of working with large cats, eagles, reptiles, not saying a child, a human is that, but these are animals that don't need us. And so if you can motivate, create a relationship with these beings, right? then a human being is another kettle of fish entirely, but... And and yeah. exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's a, a it's a different realm, and it's exactly the and same. it's exactly the same. We're all energy. We're all beings. We all need nurture. We all need yeah. safety. We, I love always yeah. taking podcasts that are either animal driven and and bringing the dotted line to. Do you know this has a lot to do with your personal relationships and how intuition and energy and awareness right. can play a part in that? Because there always is. Yeah. Well, that's, I was just having a conversation with my daughter because she just had her first child. Oh, and so exciting. we were having a, par- a parenting conversation. She says, yeah, you know, I really, I read this French book on parenting and it's so different than American views in that, you know, they believe in helping the child learn to regulate itself, not by letting the baby cry, but waiting just long enough till the baby starts to try to like maybe regulate itself starts to find its thumb or whatever and then you come in and pick it up so that you increase the ability to regulate and I go, wow that sounds just like horses you're you're looking for the slightest change in the right direction you know before you come in and and reward or help them out at, so that they repeat and you know learn to self-regulate and I said that's that's phenomenal you know rather than um she called it being the helicopter mom you know and doing everything and rewarding the kid when they're having a tantrum or whatever or the other way letting them have the total meltdown and getting themselves into oh yeah and just trauma right and not Mm -hmm. and having them figure out any that there's any support or Mm -hmm. help Mm -hmm. Well, my goodness, Terry, this has been fantastic. I think we have a few more podcasts. Yay! That's all I can say to that. That's been great. I'm so excited that these conversations are are becoming acceptable and normal and and even, you know, desired. Oh, 100%. It's it's so exciting. Well, thanks for being a forerunner. Absolutely. Thank you for asking me. Oh, absolutely. Until next time. We'll do this again. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. 
It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.